0: So the reading today is from Ruth chapter 1, it's on page 267 of the Church Bibles. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Marlon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Marlon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. So Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning.
1: Ruth means friend or companion. And I hope you'll find the story of Ruth is your companion to help you grow in your love of the Lord Jesus as you follow him. Let me pray that we will hear God speak to us through his word. Dear Heavenly Father, you want us to walk the narrow path which leads to life in Jesus and to avoid the wide and easy path which leads to destruction. Please, will you speak to us this evening about how we can do that as we look at the story of Ruth, part one. Amen. Well, our outline this evening is three points. It has to be three points. Spiralling down where we see there's a people in decline. Sticking with God, where we see there's a pleasant faith and seeking God's way. These are a promise that we can live by. So first of all, spiraling down, a people in decline. Look at the first words of chapter 1, verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled. We're going back 3,200 years, 1,200 years before Jesus was born, to the time when the judges ruled in Israel. You know the judges, don't you? Don't you? They were men like Samson, who had supernatural strength when he obeyed God's commands, but he was a weak character. You know, he married a Philistine girl and gave her to a friend before the wedding festival was even over. He fell for all the wrong girls, and his mistress, Delilah, was his undoing. Not the greatest prime minister or leader of the nation. Then there was Gideon. He was so reluctant to be a leader that he set God an almost impossible wet and dry fleece test. But he was a great warrior. He won many battles. But he refused to lead the whole nation. He said God would do that. That was all very well, but rather than helping them listen to God, he collected up the gold earrings and jewelry that the soldiers had plundered in battle and made them into a golden suit that he set up in his hometown. And because people like to worship something, what did they do? They worshiped the golden suit rather than God. So despite having these famous men leading the nation, sometimes with supernatural power, on the whole, the book of Judges was not a nice bedtime story. You may choose to read it yourself so you can see the background to the book of Ruth that we're going through over the next few weeks. But don't expect any happy endings. Because God's chosen people people of israel were in decline there was a pattern of behavior that went like this first they turned away from god and worshiped other things other gods and indulged in all kinds of evil practices i won't say what they were but they were evil second god stopped protecting them and so they began to suffer defeats in their battles And their enemies began to cause them problems. So third, eventually in desperation, they moan to God and ask for his help. And fourth, God raises up a judge who helps them to win a few battles and rescues them from their troubles. But fifth, and sadly, as soon as that judge dies, they go back to their evil again only this time worse than ever before. And so they continued this merry-go-round and their evil practices got worse and worse. This is how it's described in Judges chapter 2. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. But when the judge died, the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors. Following other gods and serving and worshipping them, they refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. So how would it all end? Well, the book of Ruth starts a new chapter in Israel's history into this seemingly endless downward spiral, we're given a love story. And it starts with a famine, a sign that God was angry with their evil practices. What do you do in a famine when the food banks are running out? Well, Elimelech, Naomi, and their two sons Marlon and Killian Can't wait for God to intervene with another judge, and they decide to emigrate. Let's, why don't we go and make a new start in Moab? Well, I can think of a good few reasons why that's not the best choice. When browsing through their holiday brochures, they should have seen the red warnings. God had told Israel not to invade the Moabites because they were descendants of Lot. God had given them their territory. So you might think it was a place of safety away from the fighting. But that's not the whole story. The Moabites have been nothing but a constant pain to Israel. This is what the book of Numbers says. No Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord. Not even to the tenth generation. But they didn't come to meet you with bread and water on your way when you came out of Egypt. And they hired Balaam to pronounce a curse on you. Do not seek a treaty of friendship with them as long as you live. You see, when Israel was on their way to the promised land, they asked the Moabites for some help. And all they got in response was the prophet Balaam who was hired to bring curses on them. Well, God didn't let Balaam curse Israel. He blessed them instead. But God warns Israel not to make treaties with the Moabites because they're not your friends. Now, if you were a godly Israelite looking for a place of safety for your family, would you choose Moab? Well, Elimelech, Elimelech, means God is king. But it seems that he didn't make particularly godly choices for his family he didn't walk that straight and narrow path as far as we know and his wife and two boys might have had little influence on his decision as he dies shortly after arriving leaving his family having to make a life for themselves away from god's blessing and protection Well, it was typical of the people of Israel at the time. Ignore God and his good rules for living. Do their own thing until it all goes pear-shaped. But keep calm and carry on as long as you can. Don't immediately ask God for help, but continue down that wrong path. Marry the beautiful foreigners who will entice you away from God and follow their idolatrous ways. And that's what the boys do. But before they're even blessed with families of their own, they die and leave their mum without anyone to look after her and with the additional liability of their Moabite widows to care for. Well, it's not been the greatest emigration you could hope for. Now the usual pattern in Israel's history would be for Naomi to have a good moan at God and receive his help, but then only half-heartedly walk on the straight and narrow path before soon continuing to the wide path to destruction, the easy path that most people take. And that's what happens, or at least it seems so at first, because Naomi does blame God But this time, unlike all the other stories in the book of Judges, there are two things that show that this little family on the wrong path and in the wrong place hadn't completely lost their faith in God. One is Naomi's decision to return to Israel, to her hometown. And the other is Ruth's promise. Both widows place their future in God's hands. Let's see how Naomi and Ruth do that in our second point. Sticking with God. A pleasant faith. Well, after only a few verses of reading this chapter, Naomi is grief-stricken, desperate, and bitter. But even in despair, her faith is still there. She speaks about the Lord's kindness and the Lord's rest. Look at verse 8. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband And she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. Well, two Moabite widows arriving in Israel might not expect the warmest of welcomes. Naomi couldn't afford to support them. She tells them to go and find a Moabite husband and rebuild your life here because I'm going back to my home and you'll be out of place there. Well, Orpah kisses her goodbye. And that's all we know about her. Like Elimelech, Marlon, and Killian, she doesn't appear to feature in God's plans anymore. At least we're not told anymore about their lives. Who knows what happens in their lives? But they don't feature in this story. But Ruth's decision is the key to this whole story. It's more than sentimental love. Ruth has seen something good, something right, and something certain in Naomi's faith. Naomi herself might have lost sight of it in her distress. But Ruth is prepared to stake her life on it. We face decisions every day, some big and some small. Where would you say this one ranks in the top ten big decision league? Number one, perhaps. Will you follow God and join his family? Or simply return to doing your own thing? Will you follow God and join his family or simply return to doing your own thing? Ruth chooses Naomi's God. Maybe you've had something similar in your life. Someone has impressed you by the quality of their living, by the way they speak, the kindness and love that they display. You find out it's because they love and follow Jesus. And so you decide, it must be true. Jesus must have risen from the dead and be alive today. And he's living in his people. And you want to join the family and experience life with him. Well, we're not told why Ruth came to this decision. But we're told that she had found something to stake her life on. Something to cling to, no matter what. So finally, let's spend a moment looking at the key to the whole story in our third point. Seeking God's way. A promise to live by. Ruth makes a promise, and not just any old promise, but a covenant promise. She uses the language of a marriage ceremony, till death us do part. Read verse 16. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. I wonder, is this a promise that you have made with the Lord? Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. There are words like these in a baptism service. We've died with Christ. We've risen with Christ. We will live with him. Well, Ruth was ahead of her time. Her covenant was with her mother-in-law's faith and her mother-in-law's God and people. But we can make a similar promise to our Lord Jesus and his people. We have a promise-keeping God who asks us to follow him, to walk that narrow path, day and night, in good times and bad, to join his people, demonstrating his love to the world. The cycle of spiraling down, being trapped in a revolving door, half-hearted religion that constantly fails to live God's way, can end because of the gospel, the covenant promise that he makes to us and we can make to him. When you're busy walking down the wide path, you may not realize where it leads until the crunch comes. But sometimes you may notice somebody along life's path who's different. And compared to them, your life seems quite empty, a shadow of what it might be. You really don't know God. You haven't really experienced his love and protection. Well, the book of Ruth is a love story that shows us there is another way. Ruth chapter 1 starts with the family going off on their own. A decision that takes them away from God's blessing. But God is still at work. And he uses that decision to bring about his blessing. His gospel plan for the whole world. Ruth chapter 4 ends with a family tree that leads to a king. Ruth is in King David's line. And, of course, we know that that she was an ancestor of King Jesus. Well, 3,200 years later, we have a big decision to make about the direction that our life takes. We know that following Jesus, walking his way, leads to life eternal. Ruth didn't know that. Nor did Naomi. Naomi. Who would have thought that a Moabite widow with her bitter mother in law, with everything stacked against them, would give us the most intimate love story, which is a picture of God's intimate love for us? But I'm skipping on from chapter one, and I must finish today with Naomi's return to her hometown. Bethlehem means house of bread. Why did she ever leave? How could she allow her husband to take the family away from God's people and God's blessing? Just because of a famine. Well, she returns home a distraught and bitter widow. A shadow of her former self. When she arrives back home, people can't believe what they see. What has happened to Naomi? It's been 10 years, but they can hardly recognize her. And just like the prodigal God returning home, she's prepared a speech. But unlike the prodigal God in Jesus' story, she does get to speak it. I wonder if Jesus had the speech of Naomi in mind when he told the story of the lost son. God the Father knows our hearts He doesn't need to hear a speech he's just overjoyed when we come back home to him and he gets busy with the welcome party well the people of bethlehem did get to hear her speech let me read it in verse 20. don't call me naomi she told them call me mara because the almighty has made my life very bitter i went away full But the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. The name Naomi means pleasant or sweet. Don't call me that. There's nothing pleasant about me now. Just call me bitter, Mara. That name suits me now. Well, I was going to finish this talk by saying, you know, that's not the finest speech, is it? There's no admission of guilt. Ruth isn't even mentioned. What about the lovely promise that Ruth has made to her? It's full of the poor old me's. It's not my fault. Why is everything against me? Why is the Lord picking on me? But last night, my mind was troubled. I couldn't sleep, and I believe the Lord told me that I'd got that bit wrong. There was a conversation in my head that went something like this. The Lord said, no, you can't say that. That speech was fine. Who do you think you are to dismiss grief so lightly? There are many people in the congregation who could have done a better job than that. Talking about Naomi. Perhaps if you were a Ukrainian widow whose entire family had been killed by a Russian missile, and you escaped to England with nothing to show for it, nothing for all your life's hope and dreams, and yet you remained hopeful and thankful for all the good times that you'd had with your family, then maybe you could say that Naomi was wrong to be bitter. But you're not. Naomi was telling it as it was. She was bitter. She was grieving. I was fine with that. Well, that's what I think the Lord said to me. That's what my conscience said anyway. So whatever you make of her speech, let me say that there's been a tragic story It's not an easy read, is it, chapter one? Where is the happy ending that we long for? Well, before the end of chapter one, we just get a little hint that things might improve. These two widows have made the bold decision to go with God, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death us do part, they are home in Bethlehem, the house of bread just as the barley harvest was beginning. Well, next week, the story continues. And it gets better. Let me finish by saying that the nickname Mara never catches on. The people of Bethlehem know that Naomi was bitter because of what she'd been through. They understood. She's still referred to as pleasant, sweet Naomi for the rest of the story. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, if we are still on the wrong path, please will you make that clear to us. And if we do love you and know you, then please help us to trust you even when times are tough. Amen.
2: I think a couple of quick fire ones. Do we know which judge was ruling at the time? No, we don't. Um, thank you. Orpah, uh, <laughs> uh, was she wrong to leave Naomi?
1: I, I did think about that, and um, we don't know. Thank really. you. We don't know <laughs> what happened to Orpah. Maybe her life was. Maybe she would learnt something from Naomi and she took it back to Moab and she had a wonderful life with a Moabite husband, and, but we don't know.
2: Thank you, don't know, and <clears throat> I agree totally. Um, so there's a question here, if the Israelites were wrong to marry Moabites, how do we reconcile the fact that if they hadn't married Moabites, Ruth would never have come to know God?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, God's plans are not nice and neat like we'd like them to be, are they? Thank he uses failed individuals who make mistakes all the way through his history. It's a, it's a history of failed individuals who've made big mistakes, who've done the wrong thing. And he seems to choose the wrong people. He chooses prostitutes. He chooses people who've just completely messed up their lives. So it's, there's hope for the rest of us. Uh, there 's hope for us all that he doesn't you know he doesn 't stop blessing us. he uses all kinds of people for his plans, and he chose Ruth to be uh, his ancestor that he was you know, in the line of Jesus, which I find
2: wonderful It is wonderful, just help us a bit with that though Mike because I guess some of us might hear the fact that okay someone 's done a wrong thing and yet god 's used it does that mean the wrong thing was okay? does that mean that Um, is right for us to perhaps go against what God says.
1: No, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Of course, it's different, I I think. Once you're a Christian, your responsibilities are different from those before you became a Christian. You might have different ways of living your life before you know the Lord. When you come to him, Hmm. you have a responsibility to live according to his rules and not to spiral down as the Israelites were doing at the time, And only half heartedly follow the Lord. So, um, but God is a God of mercy. And even when we mess up as Christians, He is prepared to forgive us and we can come back and start again.
2: Thank you. And as you hint, this has actually got far bigger consequences than even for Ruth. And uh, yeah.
1: yeah you'll have to come to the next three weeks to see how the story develops
2: but it's it's great yeah great um i think we'll leave it there if that's okay thank you very much mike um appreciate that but that's a great point to finish on isn't it to think that actually god is merciful and even through our mess ups uh he works his purposes and